Does anybody have any questions for Dawn? While we have, this is a, uh, as accessible Dawn is, she's not always available every single moment of the time. So this is a pretty unique opportunity for us. Does anybody have any, without go, without bringing us down a rabbit hole, are there any questions that you might have for Dawn? Because I have I have many more, but I want to I don't want to hog up the entire time here. Does anybody have any questions? You can put them in the chat or send them privately or just ask them. Somebody did send me a private message while we're waiting to see, and someone said, uh, "Are there any considerations?" Again, I don't know. I don't know if this is too specific for this conversation. Uh, are there any particular any certain things that should be me made aware of by changing my password level from zero to two? And, and can you explain what that even means, Dawn, if that's even in this context? Um, I'm not a security person, so I'd probably give an inaccurate answer. Okay. I mean, I know enough to be dangerous, but <laughs> I'm going to decline on that one. That's fine. That's a fair, completely fair response. Um, any tips for DB2 Mirror for, for uh, performance for DB2 Mirror? So on that one, I am aware of performance recommendations for db2 mirror i personally have not worked with a shop that has db2 mirror in place so i have zero firsthand experience with it um, that said this is another um advertisement for common um, because i know at last year's power up ibm actually had a session on db2 mirror performance considerations and i believe that's also on the power up agenda for this year um, and so I would defer to the deep IBM expertise on that one since I have no firsthand experience. Right. Uh, somebody put it up. Uh, where can I find information about weight accountability? And can you even tell us what that even is? Oh, weight accounting. One of my favorite topics. There you go. Um, so weight accounting um, is there is an article. There's two places to three places. Um, if, if you do internet searches, the Knowledge Center has an article every release on weight accounting. Um, the Eye Doctor website has a more of a deep dive weight accounting white paper. Um, and then there's a one that I wrote probably in 2013. It's kind of it's older, but it's not it's still accurate on weight accounting that's more geared towards the average user. So there's those three articles that have been written. And if you're a common member, next week on my Focus Performance Tools Deep Dive, I will spend the first half hour or so going over weight accounting. Um, because when you look at charts in the performance data investigator and you see these bars that are on every chart. That's your wait time, and you need to understand what that means, and that's how weight accounting data gets visualized. So it's a very foundational topic for understanding performance charts in the performance data investigator or iDoctor, if that's your tool of choice. Which actually goes back to our original point, and that is that that should, in my view, also be something that concerns a developer. You, and that's when I talked about earlier, when you make application changes, if you can look at your performance signature before and after, the weight the weight buckets, we call them weight buckets, are represented in that performance signature. And so you can see dispatch CPU time is a very special weight bucket, but I can see my disk time. How much time was my application spent waiting for disk IO, whether it's page faults or disk writes? before and after and that's what the weight buckets are and this is this is data that only IBM i has no other platform in the industry can do this it's a huge differentiator for IBM i when it, when we talk about performance 
And um, it's extremely powerful. If you have contention issues, they'll show up. If you have database record lock problems, they will show up. Um, and the more colorful your charts are with the bars, the more colors you have, the more concerned you should be with your performance. If you see red and that's about all you see, you should be happy. Unless you want to optimize CPU and then you got a different problem. I know some of the people on this call are in larger shops and that might mean multiple systems or certainly multiple partitions, if, if, if at the very least, I should say. Are there any special considerations with anybody with a multi-partition system or multiple systems at all? And then how does performance and system health play into that role? So if you have a box that has multiple partitions, and it could be IBM I partitions, it could be AIX, Linux, or your virtual I.O. servers, no matter what the operating system that is running, Within the HMC, you can enable performance collection for the entire system across all partitions. And this gives you hypervisor performance data so you can understand the CPU utilization across the partitions. And there's also some memory and I.O. data that you can get at that's hypervisor data. Um, it's not collected by default because it does give you insight into all partitions on the box. But if you enable that on one IBM I partition, there are charts within the performance data investigator. They're called physical system charts that allows you to see the interaction of all the partitions across that physical server. Um, and so you can get at that level of, of per, uh, performance data and see the interaction. I actually have a story on this particular one. I worked with a client and they said, you know, since April, this month end is not completing on time. Last November, it worked great. But now it's it's like every month it's taking one or two hours longer. And we're really having troubles because this month end processing needs to complete on time. And I had worked with them previously. They took my recommendation on best practices and saved their performance data. So we were able to restore performance data from November when it worked well. We were then able to compare it with the performance data from April when it wasn't working well. And it was actually due to somebody on a test partition changed the schedule of the IBM I inventory collection job to run at the same time this month-end process was running on a different partition. The partition weights were the same, so the test partition had equal opportunity to get, claim CPU resources. And so this test partition and the inventory collection, the IBMI inventory collection is a CPU intensive process. Um, and so this test partition had this job scheduled to compete with this production partition, and they were both in the same shared processor pool. So the production partition wasn't getting its uncapped resources that it had expected. So we moved, we rescheduled that so it didn't conflict, changed the priorities so that test partition couldn't get at the, the as much um, resources in the shared part, um, didn't have the same pro priority to get at the shared resources in the shared processor pool to fix the problem. And we needed that physical system data to see that interaction across the partitions. Right. And as, um, as as a developer, especially one who's working in a test partition, you might think that you're in your own little world and what can I possibly be doing this machine that's going to affect anybody else? And if you're in the same shared processor pool and the administration team has left, hasn't done a good job with um, partition weights and, you know, setting up, you know, maxes and mins and all those things. Yeah, a, partition, a test partition could adversely impact a production based upon this similar example that I gave. 
Which actually, I mean, I guess I could just keep rattling off questions all day because they're so interesting. <laughs> Do you have any other real like horror stories? Like, oh my gosh, like when I walk into this place again without naming any names, like something that was so drastically off. Like, oh my god, this is this is so this is yeah. so ripe. this is so ripe for you know I can just and it's and and maybe even even to, to extend that point, just tweaking one thing made such a big difference because it was so bad. Yeah, this is, I do have, actually, it's related to the um, database subsystem configuration I was talking about. Um, I was working with a shop where they had done the the work to um, route database work to different subsystems. And I think there was like five or six different subsystems to isolate the different applications. And so the configuration had been done, they were ready to roll it out, and they 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 ran the it's the IBMI services the set subsystem server um, routing service to route by user profile, and so they set the configuration in before they started the subsystems. Well, they they did they there's this parameter called allow rollover so that dictates if the subsystem is not active, what do I do? You want that to be no, don't allow rollover. So if the subsystem's not active, I can't get on the system. They had left it at yes. So yeah, the subsystem's not active. I'll run in the default subsystem, which is QServer as batch immediate jobs. And so usually we have these pre-start jobs, which get reused up to 200 times. So they can handle 200 connections each. When you have this allow rollover running in QServer, you get one job per connection. So this is a, was a rather large system that was having hundreds of connections come in per minute. And instead of being able to efficiently reuse pre-start jobs, they were starting and ending a job for every single connection that came in and the performance tanked. And in fact, some of the connections started failing and the, the access from the external to the system, they were it was a big mess. Is a big mess. Um, and so you want to make sure that if you're going to roll out subsystem changes, one, don't, don't allow the routing to happen until you've got your subsystems active. And then I highly recommend don't, if the subsystems are not active, deny access to the system because it was a mess. Right. And, and it, yeah, it was a mess. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a response for that. Yeah, you're right. And and that, but that's a perfect case because oh, this machine is so slow, and you know, it's, it's you know, it, it, it's I, mean, I hate to even it's so old, doesn't perform well, and and yet just you know somebody with your your, your level of expertise or somebody can come in and say no, that's not the case. Yeah. Here, clearly, here's the problem. Yep, and and the the um, the tool of choice that can tell you so much is Job Watcher. Um, Job Watcher is is magic. And again, this is an IBM I differentiator. Nobody else can do what we can do with Job Watcher because we can get at um, call stacks. We can, if you have, if you're waiting, if we have contention resources, we can see who holds it and who wants it. We can then the call stack of how we got there. Um, extremely powerful tool for um, understanding what's happening on a system. So it's amazing. Is that your favorite tool to use right now? It's my favorite tool to use. Yep. Job Watcher. And and with so Job Watcher, <clears throat> Job Watcher historically came from iDoctor, which is a IBM service offering. And iDoctor, iDoctor is not a good fit for small shops. It's too expensive, it's too complicated. 
Um, within the performance tools and the performance data investigator, there was a, a component called Job Watcher to get at Job Watcher data to visualize it. That use, you used to have to pay money for that. Last May, May of 22, IBM came out with their software simplification um, project, and you might have heard that some products that you used to have to pay money for, you no longer have to pay money for. Um, the Job Watcher option is one of those. So today, everybody can use Job Watcher. You do not have to pay by any, any product to be able to collect Job Watcher data and visualize Job Watcher data. Well, the fact that it is free and everybody has access from this at first, and that's any, any current release right now that's available on? Seven, two and later. Seven, two and later. Uh, if I am not using it today, what do I need to do to start using Job Watcher? Considering that you're, you know, it's your favorite tool, I, I knew now you've piqued my interest. I want to start using it tomorrow. What do I need to do to get that thing started? So you need to learn how to use it. So you attend my focus workshop next week because I'm going to talk about Job Watcher. Any common member, it's free. Um, but I, that's what, what usually I do not have not done much speaking on job watcher because it was a four fee product that most shops did not have um today next week since it is now available to everybody i am going to spend some time talking about job watcher and how you use it and what it can do for you um and um it's a it's an amazing tool it is it is not a beginner's tool you know, this is not something where I you're going to say I'm going to learn to use Job Watcher in an hour. It, it does take a, an investment of time to learn to understand the graphs and how to maneuver through the um, drill downs to get what you want to do. Um, but once you understand how to do it, it's very very powerful. And do you recommend that people who are developers still invest invest that that very time to learn how to use this? I would like to recommend that on a development team in a in an IBM shop with the development team that one person has a basic understanding of how to use job watcher it's something you don't need everybody to do but if you have one person that knows how to do it and can look at it because it's particularly if let's say the most common issue I see is database record lock contention and one job takes a database record lock timeout because another job had the lock um, why Job Watcher is makes it easy to solve that problem. Um, right. So and, now I have a now I have a, an in-house expert, if you will, on this on this topic, and they can then report back to the to the dev the dev team and say, "Hey, I've been I've noticed this. Will Job Watcher help me? Will help me? Uh, I'm asking, will it help me identify bad code or you know ways to improve your code?" Uh, as with everything performance, it depends. Um, if we can quantify what bad code is, um, it's primarily used if it's, it's, it's stellar use is contention. And contention can be a result of bad code. Um, if your bad code is um, CPU greedy because it's not optimized, Job Watcher is not the right tool for that. Um, I have one shop I've been working with for two years, and they had to put an objective in place that said, we want our environment to be a top performing environment. And so I consult with them on the performance side, but they actually hired a developer who has a job title of performance engineer. And he's an RPG guy, and he's an SQL guy. And working together with 
I show in the performance tools, particularly Job Watcher, where the problem lies, and then he goes and takes and takes that information to go make performance optimizations in the code. And we've had dramatic success working as a pair. Um, it's for improving the performance in that environment. <clears throat> and that's a really good way to go about it. Um, have the performance expert, have a performance engineer on the application team that has a basic understanding of the data and the tools and working together, you can accomplish some amazing things. Do I need to, do I need to have a lot of historical data to, for, to make Job Watcher effective or can I just start running it and, and start getting some value so, immediately? So think of Job Watcher as... A almost like a performance trace. It gathers data at very small intervals, like every five minutes and shows, so you are five seconds, I'm sorry, every five seconds and snapshots call stacks every five seconds. It can even go faster than that. We can get down to less than a second. So it's sort of giving you a trace of what your application is doing, as well as showing you the weight buckets. So you know where your time is spent and CPU or disk or some form of contention. Um, Graph history, on the other hand, is geared towards showing me long periods of time, days broken into intervals of hours so that I can see my long-term trends. So job watchers trace me, graph history is show me my thing over the last year. How's my CPU done over the last year so I can plan for an upgrade, for example. Um, hmm. Do you? That's fascinating. It sounds like this is a worthwhile exercise for all of us, I think, or for some of us to have in, in our company, have somebody yes. in our company to do a to use that as a starting tool. But that, that's what that's yeah. what, I'm, what I'm taking from this conversation. So in my experience, and I haven't been involved in very many tiny shops. Most of the shops that I've worked with are, you know, four core systems and bigger. Um, but in that environment, I would say, yes, it's worthy you can run a lot of stuff in that a system that has two cores and more even. Um, understanding your performance signature, understanding your historical trends, and possibly needing JobWatcher to dig into some issues. JobWatcher you don't use unless you really think I have a problem. Um, but back to this client that I was just talking about, there are clients, and this is a larger box. This, this has got over 20 cores on the partition. So it's a bigger environment. Um, but, you know, when you, some shops don't want to have to recreate the problem, right? I had a performance incident, what happened? Um, so there are a number of shops out there that will run Job Watcher all the time, 24 by 7, just like they run collection services. Um, so that if they do have an issue, we've got the data to immediately begin investigation into what happened. Um, the performance data is the great, it's, it's your rewind button. You can look back, as long as you've got the data, you can look backward in time. So do you think that every machine could have, is, it, is there room for improvement on every system out there today? Or are some are just like they're running, they're humming along perfectly and they're, and they're satisfied? Or we just maybe don't, don't know that there's room for improvement? There's always room for improvement. Nobody's perfect. Like there's always room for an education. We can always know more. There's so much to know that there's always opportunities to learn more. For every system, there's opportunities to improve it. I have most of the time seen what I call average systems. I have a couple that were like, oh my God, this is a mess. Um, most of them I would call average. And then every once in a while, it's like, wow, you guys have done a really nice job. You know, I do a health, sometimes I'll, I'll get pulled in to just do a brief health assessment. It takes like four hours, take a look at things. And um, there, there are those that, you know, you guys have done a really nice job on your system. So it's kind of, it's a bell curve. <laughs> 
Right, it is a bell curve. So people might bring you in and yeah. say, hey, we just want to do this four-hour assessment, as you said, and then you'll come back and make recommendations perhaps, or you might just put your you know, seal of approval on it saying you're good. Yep, exactly. And right. what I do, you know, just I, most of the time is just looking at collection services data um, with five-minute intervals. You can get a lot of insight into whether you have issues just by looking at that performance signature. Right. And that's default. That's turned on by default, as you said, it's right? It's on by default, but by default, the intervals are 15 minutes. And 15 minutes is uh, an eternity. Um, first thing I do whenever I work with a client is go down to five. Five minutes are, is a good interval for doing an assessment. Hmm. There is an endorsement somebody put in the, in the chat. I, I do use Job Watcher Monday to Friday, noon, uh, 9 a.m. to noon on our cloud box. And it is uh, comes in very handy. And I can FTP the data to IBM for yeah. using uh, MG tools, which is... Um, yep. Um, right. And then it says awesome tool. Yeah. And, and that's another thing when you, if you do have an issue that you have to work with IBM, they'll ask you, you know, to, to collect all this data. And if you, if you do have job watcher data, that can be very valuable for IBM to do troubleshooting if the problem is on the IBM side. Right. Right. So is there ever a point that you think that, okay, the, the, the system is now 100% tuned as good are we as as good as we're going to get based on your your workload things like that or can we is there always can we just keep doing or is there a point of diminishing returns you are never done because workloads are never static um and so you can get to a point where you're pretty good but you always have to have a plan to keep looking at things um you know whether you know what's your subsystems and how you set things up whether it's your performance signature um, you know, we always have to be checking on things um, because the world changes around us and our businesses change, application workloads change. And, you know, so you can get to a point where it might not be a lot of work, but you need to keep your eye on it. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like your car. You, if you don't do your oil changes, oh, I did my oil change. Now I don't have to do it anymore. No. Um, <laughs> that's a good, that's a good analogy. You know? I bought new tires. They're good for 60,000 miles, but you know, can I go at a hundred thousand? Probably not. Hmm. You know, so same sort of thing. You need to have a routine maintenance. Right. But there'll always be just like those same, that same set of tires, there'll always be shops that want to just roll the dice and try to get the next 10,000 miles out of them. Things yep. like that. You know, sometimes yeah, I, I, I had an opportunity with the V5 R4 shop with a, you know, what, how can we keep this going longer? What's what? What do we have? It's like, well, you've got three dead disk drives out there, so <laughs> <laughs> you're in. You better pay attention to this. And oh, you haven't done a successful backup in three years. <laughs> Was that a production machine? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well. <laughs> Well, I don't even know how to respond to that. That's, that was the worst case I've ever seen. <laughs> and sadly, I I, 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 I don't know if I know that that particular person you're talking that client, but I've I've had them myself. I walked into shops yeah. similar, not that exact center, but very similar scenarios. And the, but that goes back to what we talk about IBM. That's the that you know that it just keeps humming, and but there's there's that perception yeah. that it just keeps running. But you know there there can be problems, of course. And, and th that's a lot of times when I look at things, it's like, well, you know, this is running okay. Yeah, it's running okay until it doesn't. Um, I had an example of this. 
um, again, a, a, an overnight batch job that was taking getting longer and longer. And it's not multi-threaded, but they can run pieces in multiple jobs. And I'm like, but you have a contention point in there. We can see that you have a contention point that if you add too many jobs, it's going to make it run slower. And we were at 10 jobs. We went to 12. It worked great. We went to 15. Nope, it ran longer because it had that contention point. Um, and so, yeah, it runs fine until it doesn't. And and something like this, you probably need to look at re-architecting the application. Um, but what can we do to get as much out of what we got today um, to, you know, squeeze what we can? And sometimes you can't squeeze more out of it just because you've got scaling issues. And that when you have contention, it's really a scaling issue. You add more and it works. You actually end up performing worse. Interesting. I want to elaborate on the point you just said, and that is about re-architecting your, your application. If you're on an older OS, you're not going to have the same set of tools that are available on the newer you know, operating systems, you you don't have some of the new cool services, things like that. So you're, you're, you're it's, it becomes a little bit of a, a bad cycle in, of sorts because you don't have the good, the, the better tooling to, to take advantage of some of this cool stuff. And I guess the OS itself doesn't have the, the what it needs to, to take advantage of you know, what, what it could be doing with newer technology. That is so true. When I have to, I have one place where I'm working on a 7.2 system. I feel like I'm crippled on 7.2. And 7.2, we really isn't that old when we think about it. But compared to what has been put on 7.3, 7.4, 7.5, 7.2 is like, oh, dude, geez, I just don't want to sign on there again. <laughs> right, right. And there are plenty of shops that, you know, that are still using that as their production level, mm -hmm. of course. We, we know this. So, yeah. Well, um, so don't wear, wow. So where, oh. where, look at the time. Holy look cow. Look at the time, wow. Happen? How how does that happen so quickly? Um, but I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. Um, I just want to start wrapping this up, Dawn. But I, I'd like to I'd like to just have you, you know, open the floor to you and just you know share whatever you'd like, you know, on any topic of, of what you think might be uh, worthwhile for us all to hear, based on your experience and based on your role in the community, things like that. So I'm going to open it up to you and. I'm going to do something that's very difficult to me, and that is just to shut up. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's going to kind of combine what I do, both professionally and volunteering, the intersection between Common and IBMI. There is so much technology built into this system. I mean, I have my little area of um, expertise and performance, work management, diagnostics. I couldn't write an RPG program, though. Right. And all of you who can write RPG programs, you know, what I'm talking about here today might be, I don't know anything about this. And of course, there might be all of you that I know a little of this, a little of that. Um, security, networking, the database, all of the SQL performance tools. I mean, we can go on and on and on. No single person can ever know everything there is to know about this operating system. And back to your point, you know, if you know something, you figured something out, maybe sharing it is good because there is so much in the system because of the integrated nature of the box. Um, and because there's so much to know, education and learning are never ending for all of us. 
um, because there's always something else that we need to learn to do our jobs better, whether it's new functions coming out from IBM, um, things that we've talked about here today that maybe some of you don't know about that you want to go learn about, or maybe you know some of it, but want to now go learn more about it. Um, and so, you know, the, the ongoing education cannot be stated enough. And again, this goes back to my role with Common. Um, whether it's Common, your local user groups, um, these iChimes, this is a great way of sharing information. Um, Self-study, internet searches, there's mailing lists, there's newsletters. You know, there's a whole wealth of ways that we need, we can learn more. And I think that's critical for all of us on this box is to, to combine the both. So we've got a great system that we can work on and use our time to, as best as we can to get our jobs done, as well as professional development and improve, constantly improving our skills, because there's so much to know about this system. Well said. Perfect. Yeah. Perfectly stated. Thank you very much for that, Dawn. Um, so in the last two minutes here, if anybody wants to throw a quick um, takeaway, what you've gotten from this from this meeting, that'd be great. I mean, I, I was getting several um, private messages to me. Thank you. you know, great topic. That, that was a good point. So um, I can say my big takeaway is I, I think job watcher is something that I, we're going to have somebody on our team play more with because I don't think we we're given that thing anywhere near the time we should be committing to. It sounds like based on what you've what you've said to us, yes. Don. It's an amazing tool. So if somebody actually does want to reach out to you to, uh, to engage your services, how do they reach out to you and, and get in contact with you? Well, I have a really complicated website called donmayi.com. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I have I have all the what I primarily what I focus on. Um, I do consulting as well as training. Um, everything's out there on my website. There's a contact form or my email is just donmay at donmayi.com. Or LinkedIn. I use LinkedIn a lot. Um, try to post, share stories out there, share posts, um, communicate to people through LinkedIn. So you can find me there as well. Great. And uh, as somebody who, this is, just, this is me talking as myself, someone who has worked with Dawn, and um, I, I know customers who have worked with Dawn also, she is truly uh, an ace, one of the best that we have. And uh, again, I'm just, I'm just going to add yesterday. I'm, I'm Really proud to call you friend as well, Dawn. So thank you. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you very much. Of course. All right, everybody. Uh, it was a truly a pleasure. And we'll see you at the next event. All right. Thanks, everybody.